So, um, as you may or may not know, we as a community are spending four weeks during October doing a mini-series on sex. And today is week three. Woohoo! Um, so, um, week one, we talked about shame, um, its existence in our lives, its potential to wreak havoc, um, and we looked at um, church's history associating sex and shame as well. Um, you can catch up on the podcast. Um, last week, we looked at um, cultural narratives. Um, so, what is the water that we're standing in, um, or maybe floating down river in, and are we happy with that? Um, asking those questions. Um, and this week we're going to be talking a little bit about our deepest human needs. Um, so the first two weeks we've kind of done a like a deconstruction of of all things, and we're aiming for the next two weeks to be a building of something rather than deconstructing for deconstructing's sake. Um, so this week and next week we're looking to build something back up again. Talk a bit about a vision for sex and human flourishing um, that we believe God would say to us through the Bible. Um, so today, as I said, we're going to be talking about our deepest human needs. Um, so a couple of things. Um, we're, this is why I, I, I need to write it out. So this is a massively stressful experience for Emily. We, we, so we work in very different ways. Very much so. <laughs> so this week I tried to get what we wanted to say down on a piece of paper and it didn't work. And we kind of had a bit of an epiphany halfway through the week that actually when we're talking about it, it works quite well. And so... I'm going to be very much ad-libbing today, which I'm really happy with. I need every word written down, word for word, and then I make it sound spontaneous, because otherwise I say things that I don't mean or um, go off on tangents. Good luck, everyone. So, good luck. I've got bullet points. Um, wish me luck. Um, but basically, this series is not... Um, we've tried... We don't want this to be kind of Daniel and Emily's best thoughts on sex. Like, no one needs that. Um, we've spent the last sort of six months doing research, we've been reading loads, we've been listening to lots, we've been talking with lots of you guys and other people outside of the church as well. Um, and one thing to say about today is that it's not necessarily where we expected to land. This is something that through um, the journey of kind of figuring out what this series was going to look like has kind of bubbled to the surface a bit and it's kind of surprised us a bit. It's kind of, we feel like it's what God um, has laid on our hearts, um, so it's not kind of an agenda to kind of shoehorn something random in. Um, we feel like actually this um, today is something that God would have to say to our church, at this community at this time, um, but it kind of took us by surprise. Um, and so we kind of struggled, as Daniel said, to put it into a talk format. So we're going to do it together, a bit like an interview, and hope for the best. Um, Let's dive in. <laughs> That's Great. Good. End of bullet point. <laughs> end of bullet point. It now says the word Daniel, so it's my turn to talk. Now says Daniel. This is not be... something we've done very much, is it? We need to try this again. Okay, good. So last week, as, I, as Emily said, we talked about the flow of culture and waking up to what culture is saying about sex and just asking ourselves the question, like, do I agree with that or not? And today we want to start with one of those cultural narratives um, and see where it leads us. Um, so we're going to play a simple game. Um, we do love to play Can a game. Speak? Oh, please. Yes, thank you. Um, and so um, I'm going to call out some things, and I want us as a group to decide whether the thing that I say is a want or a need. 
Does, is the thing something that we want or something that we need? And the line in the middle is kind of like, if it's something that we really, really want to the extent that we kind of need it, it should go there. And if it's like a need, which is like an absolute fundamental human need, it should go very far away from the want category. So we're going to work this out together. We'll see how it goes. Um, so let's pop, pop one, a nice easy one on there to start. Air. Want or need? Need, yeah. I think we're all agreed that that's pretty much over there. What about Money. Oh, we're kind of calling that one on the borderline, aren't we? So kind of it's halfway between a want and a need. I, we, need to dis- we need to agree. Want, need, need. Okay, we're all going, I, I think we're generally going need, but it's pretty near to the one. Okay, let's do a couple more. Uh, food, need. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, just as much as air as well. Fair enough. I'm with you on that one. Um, what about fun? Want or need? Need less than food. So people saying that we need fun. Do we need fun to survive? So we had this conversation during the week. How do you define something that you need on the hierarchy of needs? You've been looking at some Maslow. Like that. Breathing is fun. I mean, not breathing is not fun. That's certainly true to say. Um, yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I mean, I would, so I would define a need as something that we will die without. And we had lots of very existential conversations in our household over this week about what to want and a need. So we're putting everything in the need category so far. I'm going to I'm gonna have to load this one. Okay, what about Netflix? Some of, some of you in the room are like, don't want. Actually, don't want. So yeah, that's definitely a want, isn't it? We'll pop that one in there. Uh, th- this one will hopefully not split the room. Deodorant? <laughs> want. Want. Very close to need, though. Very close to need. Uh, alcohol? Want. Yeah, okay, good. There are a few wants. That's good. I was thinking this isn't going to work. Uh, we'll do a few more. Sleep? Need. Yeah. Exercise? Oh, there's a few wants in there. Definitely don't need exercise. Um, home. Need. Wow, is that shelter or is that a place that we feel at home? I think I, I would argue that there's a need for both, maybe. True. Very, very true. Um, and I'll, I'll do one more. So the final one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, internet. Want or need? Yeah, that split the room. You're like, technically, it's a want, but I need it. Would you die without the internet? No. But let's be honest, if you ever move house, the router is the last thing out and the first thing in, isn't it? It's like fundamental needs. Okay, very good. Thank you very much. Give yourself a round of applause. So you guys are all very intelligent people, so I'm sure you can see where we're going with this. We are doing a series about sex. And so if I was to say sex... Do we want sex or do we need sex? Now, for the sake of argument here, can we go with my extremely black and white, would you die without it definition of wants and needs? I was such a troll during this. I was like, well, technically, if everyone didn't have sex, the human race would die out. So I think you're Which fine. does not, it doesn't help my point in the slightest. So please just work with me here. It's a good point. Right? <laughs> please work with me here. So, so if we were to put sex on there, want or need? Without the human race dying out. Let's not be trolls. Somewhere in the middle. Now, I would say thank you for one person saying one. So, 
for the sake of everything else that we're going to say today, I think it's fair to categorize sex in the want category, isn't it? Like, no one's ever died from, a, from not having sex. Um, it is a want. It may, we may feel it as a need, um, but it is fundamentally in that want category. Um, but I wonder if you'd agree that often the cultural flow around us tends to tell us a different story, that, that sex is a need, much like food and water, and that depriving us of ourselves of that would bring us some harm, um, which is, it's not really true. It might not be pleasant, it might be really hard, um, but it's not really going to harm us. Um, but before we move on, I just want to throw one more word up on the board, um, and that word is intimacy. So... When we think about intimacy, is that a want or a need? Okay, so we've got several needs, several wants. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to get into some little groups with those sitting around us, and I want you to just talk about that for one or two minutes and come up with a definition. What is intimacy? Um, There's some serious giggles going on in the room. I'm enjoying that. Um, What is intimacy, and is it a want or a need? And I want to know what that giggling is about. So take a minute and a half, two minutes, and define that. What is intimacy, and is it a want or a need? Go for it. Let's make sure everyone's being involved in any discussions. So intimacy. All right. Okie dokie. Let's bring it back. So the... The word intimacy, what synonyms, what phrases, what comes to mind, how would you describe it? Are you going to be a runner, Daniel? (gasps) Wonderful. Oh. So if we break it down into into me, see. Oh, hello. It's allowing someone to see you fully as you are. Very good. Hello. Very good. Would you like to finish this? Because that was good. (laughs) Into me, see. Deep connection. Yep, deep connection. Very good. Do I dare go over to the giggly corner over here? Yep. Oh, I hope I can remember what I just said. It was, it was, it was being vulnerable with someone but safe at the same time. Mm, Vulnerability and safety. Beautiful. Thank you, Rosie. Anyone else got anything to add? Intimacy? reveal the gate it was intimacy with God so this question but it did raise this thing because we were um, there's a quiz that went around about 10 or 15 years ago or whenever 50 shades of gray came out of was it a, a line from the movie or the book or from a worship song because the <laughs> the language we use to God is can be really intimate yeah. all right okay was it from a worship song or 50 shades of gray Ah, makes you question everything, right? Thank you. <laughs> so. Um, That's what you get when you pass the microphone. I'm out. not sure where to go from here. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and so we've obviously been thinking about intimacy this week. What would you say to add? Would you add anything to that, Daniel? Uh, yeah, I think I kind of see it as being seen by somebody else, being yep. known by somebody else, a kind of everything that you are, the stuff that you're proud of, the stuff that you're not proud of, the, everything that makes you up to be seen and to be known and yet to be loved by that person. Mm. I think that's how I would think about it. How about you? Nice. Yeah, no, I'm like, you guys have hit, I, I wrote depth of relationship and like a closeness, um, whether that's kind of physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, whatever, there's, a, there's like a closeness um, to intimacy that I would say and a, and a depth. 
those are the two things that I came up with. Um, so for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the story of creation in Genesis, and we've been looking at that quite a bit. Um, so um, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about Adam and Eve being in the Garden of Eden and being um, naked and unashamed, and we looked at that a little bit. Um, last week, um, Daniel spoke about how um, humanity kind of starting in Eden in the Genesis story of creation and then throughout history and still today stand at this tree of decision of like, do we, do we choose um, life with God or without God? And there's that kind of perpetual choosing of life. Um, and so we're going to continue to look at Genesis today, but Daniel, whiz us through, what can we learn about intimacy from this story in Genesis? Yes, yeah, so... Um when we read the kind of creation story about how the world was created by God, there's just a couple of little clues in there that I think it's worth us paying attention to. Um, the first one is when God creates people. He says a really weird thing. He says, let us create humanity in our image. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about God, I imagine like a Simpsons character, and he's a big white guy with a big long beard but f fundamentally there's just one of him it's just one person like so when God says let us create humanity in our image you're like huh there's more than one of you it's really kind of curious you're like what does that mean and our Bibles like immediately just do nothing to explain that they just lay it before us and go yes God is not one he's more than one and you're like okay so you read on and they create man and they then this, they say this thing they say it's not good for the man to be alone and for me there's kind of an echo of that goodness of us let us create a thing and then we create a thing but that thing is just a one person and so there's no opportunity for that one person to unite with anybody else to create something like it's not good because they don't have that same that man that we created he doesn't have that same experience of uniting with somebody to make something and so um, and there's also this idea that God made man to be like him to look like him the the word that the words that the bible uses for that is to bear his image and so it's just impossible that one human could bear the image to could look like a God that is somehow an us so if God is yeah if God is like more than one person like one person on their own can't image God effectively so then there's this really funny bit um, where you know God God said then the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone I will make an ally who is just right for him and in my brain the next thing that happens is that woman is created but it's not you get like a conveyor belt of wild animals that come past do you think of it like like the is it like the generation game? Yeah, is exactly. that what it is? Where it's like, would you like the elephant? Dum -de -dum -de 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 -dum -de -de. So the, the Lord giraffe. God formed from the ground all of the wild animals and the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each of them. And he gave names to the livestock, the birds of the sky, and the wild animals. But there was no ally found for him. And I do just imagine a, like a capybara walking past and Adam being like, no. And then a giraffe walks past, he's like, no. And a pelican <laughs> went, no. Maybe that's just my imagination. I but love that, that you went for capybara and pelican. There's a niche. <laughs> I like capybaras. Um, so what we hear is that there was no ally found that was suitable for him. No one that could know and be known by. And the Bible begins with a story. So the Bible begins with the story of a God who is 
more than one, who is three, we learn later, who unites to do something as one and then creates man who is one and goes, well, it's not good for that man to just be a one. And so what God does is, is creates two, makes two people, man and woman. Um, and then the goodness kind of comes from those two people then having that opportunity to unite and create something. And then there's this little poetic phrase that says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of humanity created by an intimate God of plurality um, and created for, like, like almost hardwired for intimacy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, precisely. There were, humans are kind of hardwired to be united with each other, hardwired to be united with creation, hardwired to be united with God, and hardwired to be united with themselves. Amen. Yes, good. It's your line. I agree. I'm like, this sounds great. So we're made from like a whole God um, and we're made for oneness. We're made for wholeness. We're made for unity and intimate relationship. That sounds really great, but um, that is clearly not the world that we're living in. So how did, how did it go from creation and Eden to that's not what we see? Yeah, and we kind of looked at this a little bit last week when we were talking about the flow of culture and how human beings have kind of chosen to define good and evil for themselves. And one of my favorite theologians um, called Scott McKnight, who sounds like he's a character from a Batman film, um, he has a really beautiful scheme for thinking about the whole of our Bibles, um, really inspired by this story. And he talks about the idea of oneness, as we've kind of talked about today, that God created, God is one and he created humanity to be one with with him. And as I just said, we're created to be one with each other, one with creation, one with God and one with ourselves. But then when humanity chose to go their own way, what it did is it kind of drove a wedge into that oneness. So you see Adam and Eve kind of separating from one another and blaming each other. You see there's like a wedge driven between humanity and creation as they're kind of, they have to leave the garden. So there's a wedge driven there. There's like a wedge driven between humanity and God when God walks into the garden and they feel ashamed because they're naked. And there's even this kind of wedge that comes into the very core of who they are. And so people are then... From that moment, doubt and shame comes into the, into the world, and people start to ask questions about, well, who am I? Am I really good? And that's kind of the seed of uh, where we find kind of people struggling with self-identity and self-esteem. And so humanity, Scott McKnight talks about how humanity is then othered in all four of these ways, um, and how intimacy is hard work, how relationships with each other become hard work, how farming and just producing food becomes hard work because we're alienated from creation, how like our relationship with God can be hard work. Can I get an amen from anybody else in the room? Thank you very much. Um, and how self-esteem and self-worth can be hard work. And the rest of the story is really about the fallout of all of that otherness. It's really sad. I'm like, so we're made for oneness. We've chosen otherness, if that's how we want to use the words. Like, and we're now a society that you could describe as otherness-y. Um, like, what do, you, what do you do with that? Okay, like, we chose otherness. Yeah. And so really it's into that context of kind of ultimate otherness that Jesus comes 
to the world. And um, Justin Welby, who's the Archbishop of Canterbury, he has a beautiful little turn of phrase. He says, the gospel, the good news about Jesus could be summarized in one word, and that is reconciliation. It's all about bringing back together things that should be together. And so um, Jesus' whole ministry was about reconciliation. It was about recreating oneness. That's what Jesus did. Just think about the things that Jesus did. Um, He talked to us about loving our neighbor coming together with our neighbor you know he you know even managed to multiply a little boy's lunchbox so whereas we're alienated from society from the world and how farming and producing food is hard work jesus seems to just make food out of nothing like he um jesus restored our relationship with god with his death and his resurrection and he even um managed to reconcile people with themselves you know i think about the story we might know of a woman at a well who's kind of lived this life and he comes and he speaks so directly to her and and reconciles her with her very self yes 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 he did i love i love it because you're right you can see um you can see that in jesus's life and Jesus talked about that as his mission. Um, but I hate to be a troll, but um, like you say Jesus came to do this. And Jesus came to reconcile us to each other, us to creation, us to God. He came to reconcile us even to ourselves. That kind of like bringing back together that oneness that we were made for. Like how do you reconcile this beautiful story, which is really great um but i'm not sure that i always see it playing out like that like i think we can all identify ways in which we're not reconciled to each other or god or creation like you say jesus has come to do all of that stuff but he died two thousand years ago and here we still are yeah absolutely um it's a great question thanks thanks you're welcome um and i think in many ways that is one of the big wrestles when it comes to following jesus because we're encouraged to believe that those two things are true that yes jesus did come to bring that oneness that wholeness into the world and sometimes we refer to that in this context as the kingdom of god Um, but we also believe that um we don't see all of it now sometimes we call that the the now and the not yet of the kingdom of god that we get a taste of it here today that we can see it here today but we don't see all of it in all of its fullness but that one day we will um so there's that there's a kind of tension between seeing some of it but not all of it but i think fundamentally also i think church communities like this are supposed to be outposts and places within humanity where god's intimacy can be found and can be experienced where that oneness of the garden we can try and live that by the with the holy spirit's help um and Um, Our Bibles would encourage us as well that one day we will see this oneness um, completely fulfilled everywhere. There's this picture right at the end of the Bible in the last book called um, The Revelation. And it's a picture of a marriage between God and the church. It's like the ultimate coming together, the ultimate oneness. So yeah, you're, Mm. you're right. Like, and that is one of the things that's tricky about following Jesus is that we believe that he came and did this amazing thing, but we also wrestle with the tension of seeing some of the fruits of that really good thing now and sometimes not seeing the fruits of that mm. really good thing now. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. But it's good. It's true. Um, I just want to pick up. You said um, the word marriage um, you mentioned at the end of Revelation as this picture of marriage. Um, and I just want to rewind a minute um, because we're talking about 
deep human needs. We're talking about intimacy. Um, and there's this bit that you mention at the end of Genesis. Um, and it says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined his wife and the two are united into one. Um, so should we be reading that as um, basically God saying that in order to find oneness with humanity in order to find intimacy in order to find wholeness you need to get married that's what it sounds like it says what does it say this explains why it happens that your two are united into one is marriage the answer yeah i think if you only read that line and nothing else from the bible then you would be quite um, forgiven for drawing that conclusion um, but I think when you read that alongside the rest of the Bible and the different stories uh, that you read I think a very different narrative emerges um, I think you see this especially clearly in the second part of the Bible which we call the New Testament which is the bit after Jesus comes into the world um, there's this really amazing moment where Jesus prays for his disciples it's one of my favorite things that Jesus ever does um, and it's really long and very wordy but I'm just going to grab a section of it Jesus said this he said my prayer is not for them I, so he's talking about um, his 12 disciples that are with him at the moment he says my prayer is not just for them alone I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message so that's now talking about us um, that all of them will be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as I've loved me. And that's, like I, like I said, it's pretty wordy. You kind of get what Jesus is saying there. He's saying, I want my church to be one. I want them to experience this unity that we experience. And in the wake of Jesus' life, you see these little church communities, little pockets of kingdom popping up all over the place. And each of them is hugely diverse. People from different nationalities, different economic statuses, all of them gathered around one meal table. And yet that group is encouraged to be a family, to call one another family, to be brothers and sisters, to have a depth of relationship, of closeness, of intimacy. One of the first church leaders was a guy called John, and he said, greater love has no man than this. And he doesn't say to get married to a wife. He says, greater love has no man than this to lay down his life for his friends. And another guy, Paul, who was like a super church planter right at the beginning of the church, like he was a single guy, and he sometimes expressed a preference that, that really it would be better if more people chose a single life. So there's so many threads that come out later as you read the Bible that kind of say that, yes, what we hear in Genesis is true, that that kind of uniting of man and wife uh, in marriage is a kind of, of intimacy, but it, it's a kind of intimacy. It's not the kind of the pinnacle. It's not everything that can be said about intimacy. And I guess, therefore, that kind of ties in thinking, when we're thinking about sex, because that's what this series we're talking about, and you're like, guys, you're talking about church community. Welcome to our process of, huh, interesting that this has bubbled up to the surface. Um, but I guess that ties into when you're thinking about sex and intimacy, because I think our culture, and often ourselves as well, we often... Um, take intimacy and sex and use those two words synonymously um so i'm i'm a healthcare professional and i you know we talk about 
and have intimate relations. You know, that kind of thing. Like, these are question, questions we ask people. Um, and um, it's, 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 they're often used synonymously. And so I think it's interesting that you've just picked up on the whole, actually, Jesus here is, is praying that we are deeply connected. And he's not talking about sex at all. Because I think that we live... Um, in a time, and it's probably been throughout history, I haven't done my research on this, um, that actually intimacy and sex have been kind of used as synonymous words. Um, And so when we're thinking about intimacy and we're thinking about deep human needs and we're talking about it within the context of sex, like, unpack that for me. (laughs) Yeah, I I think... I think what what we can kind of hear our Bible saying to us is that as human beings, we are designed, we're hardwired for connection, we're hardwired Mm. for intimacy, we're hardwired with a need to be seen and known and loved. Um, Is that because we've been created in the image of a God that is seen and known and loved within it? themselves yeah absolutely and I think what culture would speak to that need that we all experience is to is to kind of say well you know that need that you feel you've got to fill that with sex and I think that there's a you know culture would kind of say sex equals intimacy and intimacy equals sex as Emily said but I think our bibles would argue that sex is a kind of intimacy that it's powerful and beautiful but by no means the beginning and end of everything that we could talk about when it comes to intimacy um, and this, this guy, Paul, he seems to think that this kind of intimate, deep knownness can come from a church community. And I think that what's oh, interesting... I was just going to jump on that because yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago we were looking at shame and um, we listened to Brene Brown, who's um, an American researcher um, in shame and empathy. And he, she was talking about how um, shame dies... In, when it's doused in empathy. Um, and I think that you can really see the link between intimacy and empathy and vulnerability. Yeah, Rosie um, brought that. That was good. Exa- I was going to say, thank you, Rosie. Tick. Um, and I just, I think that there's something, and, and we've talked about how, as the church, we've done this historically quite badly. Um, and our culture says, well, if you, it's going to hurt, it's going to cost to be intimate and to be vulnerable and to have empathy with each other. Um, But we're talking about that as being a way that we're designed and a way that we're created and a way that we can find oneness with each other, oneness with creation and with God and with ourselves is actually ramping up the empathy and the vulnerability and the intimacy um, as humanity. Yeah, I think that Paul would encourage us to believe that we can find intimacy, that we can be known, be seen, and be loved by those around us in our church community. Um, That church communities should be places that exude those things, where everyone can be seen and known and loved, and therefore experience intimacy with each other. Um, Do you believe that that's true? That church communities are places or that they can be that they can be places where everyone's seen and known and loved yeah i do hope for that has that been your experience uh sometimes okay um so i think that i think that this is a beautiful picture that i want to live out um and um 
get so nerdy about it that we planted a church. Um, and I, the vision for what church could and should be gets me out of bed in the morning. The idea of having a community that of, made of people from all walks of life um, and all experiences and backgrounds and everything that comes with that, um, being seen and being known, being loved, and having that deep human need for um, intimacy, um, I, I desire that for the church. I don't, I don't know if I always see it in the church, but I, I believe that it could and should be. What's your... Yeah, well, I was, just gonna, gonna, I was gonna, gonna kick it out to you guys. We've been talking for a long time. So why don't you turn to the guys sitting around you again and just ask that question and just be really honest. Like, Paul seems to think that church communities can be a place where people can be seen, known, and loved, and that we find the intimacy that we need through a church community, through communion with God, through communion with each other. Do you believe that's true? Do you think that's possible? So why don't you gather up in your little groups again, take a couple more minutes, and then I'd love to hear from you. Okay, we'd love to hear from some of you guys. They don't want to tell you, because they're having too much fun discussing it amongst themselves. I know. (laughs) Okay, so... Do we believe that this is true? Do we believe that this is possible? Somebody waggle a hand at me if you want to say something. You almost waggled your hand. No, that's fine. That's fine. Anybody else? Anybody want to chip in? Bridget wants to. Okay. <laughs> Dobbed in. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. So, I, oh, yes. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, We thought it was really interesting that maybe we are hardwired to have our needs met and meet other people's needs in a community instead of trying to put all that focus onto one person or Mm. one small family of people. That's really good. That's very cool. It's really interesting. Anybody else want to add anything to that? Yes. Come on, Michael. Peter, in his... uh, Peter, he says, Paul is difficult to understand. Amen to that. Yeah, is that right? Okay. And so I think that's probably the aim to understand Paul. You get there in the end. Well, let me know when you get there, okay? That would be great. <laughs> Anybody else want to add anything into that? Yeah, no, go on, Ben. Let's just make Daniel do all the running. Yeah. I'm just going to sit here. It's just weird. The image of a family came to mind as a church, and so, like, family is one of the hardest things you do it's not always natural or I don't know it doesn't feel like it always just happens but it's also where the best things happen right and uh, so church is like that as well it's not always easy uh, but it's deep transformative over time absolutely okay all right but it is challenging, right? Like you say, if we're going to be, if we're wanting to be a community that is um, shaped and formed and kind of defined by close, intimate relationship with each other as a family, like that, that gets that gets messy as well, right? Um, and that gets tricky. Um, 
And so if we believe that we can be, if we're kind of taking cultures, intimacy equals sex and sex equals intimacy, and we're kind of, no, go away, that definition. Um, like, what does that look like practically when we're talking? So we're talking about it being messy. We're talking about it being tricky. We're talking about it being more than just one or two people actually being a community. Like, what does it actually look like practically? Yeah, I think to kind of land this thing, what I want us to do is to kind of look at the example of Jesus and to consider, because, you know, one thing we learn as we continue to read our Bibles is that, that, that Jesus was one of the us's made the world, so that he has kind of some pretty first-hand experience of what it means to be kind of intimate with, um, uh, intimately involved with others and create something as a consequence. And just to look at the way that Jesus um, came into the world and the way that he expressed love, like there's three things that jump out to me and they all begin with the word, uh, the letter S. Very so this is to prove to you that I do actually know how to do a preach like everybody else does pastor. it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and I think that the love that Jesus shows us, and I think the example that he would set us is that uh, he was servant-hearted, that he came to serve, that he was sacrificial, that it cost him, it really cost him to show mm. his love, um, and that everything that he did was based on submission. And submission is not a word that we like to use all, all that much, but it means that I put your needs before my needs, I put your preference before my preference. And so I think that when Jesus came and showed us love, he showed us love in those three ways, that he was a servant that he was sacrificial and that he, then there, there was submission. And I think that those are the tools for achieving and maintaining intimacy. Um, in the moving towards oneness, we have to, um, um, in, in moving towards oneness, we have to embrace other-centeredness. So in the areas of life where we may be self-centered, we need to change to being more other-centered, uh, rejecting the self-centeredness and taking on other-centeredness. So to be a community that embraces intimacy looks like a, like a giving away of yourself I guess it's that vulnerability and that openness of yourself um, in in the expectation that others do the same so yeah um, so why don't you so this has all been very nice and theoretical um, one of the questions that we like to ask every week is so what so what? What do we take home from this? Because we, have, we are doing a series on sex and we have talked about church community. Yeah. So, so what? Well, I was going to say, so I feel like there's two, there's two landing points. Um, one about sex and one about um, intimacy. Um, and I feel like if... Let's, let's think about applying this kind of Jesus-like intimacy to sex. So if we are sexually active, are we, move, are we um, displaying intimacy? If sex is a form of intimacy, not the be-all and end-all, but it is one way in which people can be intimate, are we, is it a place where we are moving towards oneness? Is it a place where we are preferring another to ourselves? And I really struggle with the word submission because within the context of sex that's really provocative and inflammatory um, because it also implies that there's dominance so you say submission someone thinks well that means somebody's dominant and I think that is particularly harmful when it comes to talking about sex um, but I think that there's a, a real um, beauty when you consider it from um, submission as being in and of itself with no so it's a mutual it's a mutual submission, 
Um, and so I guess when we're talking about sex, are we moving towards oneness? Are we being servant-hearted? Are we being sacrificial? Are we being mutually submissive? Are we preferring another um, rather than trying to get what we want um, and take what is ours to fulfill our need, um, which I, I would argue is a water that we're swimming in. So that's, that's one application. Um, but of course, if we're saying that intimacy and sex are not synonymous, um, and if you're not sexually active, you can still experience intimacy, and if you are sexually active, that sex isn't the only way of experiencing intimacy, um, then we need to ask ourselves um, whether we're being a church community that reflects that. Like, are we, as Gloucester Vineyard Church, are we pursuing deep, loving relationships with each other where we're seen and known and loved? Like, are we, in our home groups, um, and this is not to put on the home group leaders, this is for all of us, are we coming to home groups and pursuing oneness and um, are we preferring others in those spaces? Are we creating spaces for people to experience intimacy? Um, are we enabling vulnerability and empathy and ultimately intimacy? Um, are we kind of poo-pooing shame out the door like because we're trying to understand each other, we're trying to embrace each other um, like we, we need a decent demonstration of this. If we're saying that um, we are made by one plural, not pluritic, that's lung related. What's the word? Um, like one intimate God of three, that's what I mean. Um, if we're saying we're made by one intimate God and we're made for oneness, and for to be known and seen and loved, and we've chosen otherness, and Jesus has set the, set the example, set the path, set the possibility for oneness and reconciliation of um, ourselves, um, to God, to creation, and to each other. Like, are we, are we demonstrating that? Because we need, we need to show that. If we believe that, if that is a thing, then we need to look different. Um, we're not just like a, another social club, or uh, like an addition that's like a nice thing to fill a couple of hours on a Sunday afternoon. Mm. Yes. So we have 100% run out of time. Um, we need to go and collect the children now. So this has rumbled on a lot longer than we thought Sorry. we would. So I'm just going to really kind of, I'm going to quickly wrap this up by praying for us if that's okay. But this is not the end of the conversation. Please continue these conversations with those around you, those that you know and love. Continue it in your home group. Continue it here today. If somebody can pray with you, we would love to do that. Um, but why don't, we, why don't we end today by standing? And I'm sorry to kind of slam the brakes on, but I am really aware of the kids team and I want to really honor them. Um, so I'm just going to really quickly pray for us and then we will kind of go and collect our kids and continue the conversation during the week and so father we thank you uh, for the example that you set us of uh, of intimate love we thank you jesus that you came and showed us what that looks like and we thank you holy spirit that you've been here with us and that you are the uh, driving force that helps us to live this out on a day-to-day -day basis and father you know for each of us we've each walked in with a way that we are um 
where there's a wedge been driven between us and somebody else, or there's a wedge been driven between us and you, or a wedge been driven into our very selves, and we kind of can't relate to ourselves, or there's been a wedge been driven between us and the world that we live in in some way. And so, Father, we just pray for everybody gathered here that you would meet us in those places, that you would meet us in those moments, that you would bring reconciliation, that you would bring back the oneness that we were created for. Father, we ask that you would form us into a community that knows this, that uh, exhibits intimacy, that, uh, that is willing to pay the price, pay the cost that it will, uh, that it will uh, be to be an intimate mm. community. Would you reveal that to us and give us the joy and the, um, and, and the ability to pay that by your Holy Spirit? And Father, we bless these people as we go, as we go into the world. Yeah. May we shine brightly. May we be the most joyful people on our streets. May we be people of hospitality. And may we show love in the way yeah. that Jesus showed love to us. In yes. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.